Welcome to The Table. Welcome to The Table is a podcast put on by the good people of Pulpit Rock Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's an opportunity for us to invite you to sit at a table with us as we have conversations about things that we find interesting or helpful in our journey with God. My name is Thomas Thompson. I'm your host, and I'm here today with my co-host, J.M. Defogey. Hello. Hey, and we are in the middle of this season having a conversation about one of the most interesting and helpful things that we've ever discovered, and that is the Bible. And so we're going to be diving back into that conversation right now. So I was reading something recently by a guy named Ray Bakke, who wrote a book called Theology as Big as the City, which really gets into the theology of a city, the theology of the place. Yeah. He makes this argument, we have a great theology of people, but do we have theology of place. It's really interesting to think about what God's doing in a place and land, and that's very Old Testament. But uh, he, he talked a little bit about uh, how he thought there were kind of three ways that it seems like Christians read the Bible. Right. Uh, the first way is to simply read it to try to obey its commands. Uh, this is a, this is, I read what it says and I do it. Prescriptively. So yes. Um, the second one is to read it uh, by just trying to follow its examples. This is the, okay, Moses did this, so David acted in faith, I should I should have faith, I should act like this more. Um and, and really try to follow kind of an example format. Would you would you say that that's maybe more like like a moral reading of, of scripture where we're trying to find pe- like exemplars of faith or Yeah. And and that's how I'm going to follow in their their footsteps. And I think both those can be done from a perspective of someone who says, I love Jesus Christ, yeah. I've trusted in him. And so I read the Bible to Obey its commands, or I read the Bible to find examples to follow and yeah. do that. Um, the third way, though, that he talks about it is to to read the Bible in such a way that you're bringing theological reflection to your life and context. Yeah. And so he, his example is when Joseph told his brothers, you intended to harm me when you threw me in the cistern and sold me to slavery, but God meant it for good. He is doing some theological reflection. He's trying to understand, okay, I'm looking at where I'm in life and how God has me. Now, what, what, how am I fitting into this story that God is doing? Where is God calling me to? And that's when he's, of course, realizing, I was put here to save a nation. Yeah. I couldn't see that 20 years ago. So I, I'm really intrigued with that idea of kind of theological reflection. Yes, I want to read the commands and obey them. Yes, I want to find examples of faith and follow Christ. But I really want to use Scripture in a way that's helping me make sense of where I am in the story. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think one of the key points that we keep coming back to is that the Bible is the story of God. And it's pointing to the cross. And one of the things that I think I do personally is I sometimes forget that while the Bible tells us about God, it is not the whole of who God is. Yeah. That that the God that we serve is so much larger than even the picture I see in Scripture. And that He is continuing to be active in our lives and in the lives of the church and in the lives of this world. And that Scripture is one of those ways that He says, hey, I want to spend some time with you. Let me speak into your life. Let me have you hear from me. Well, and we've, I think we've mentioned this. But this is why I go back to the phrase that um, the Bible was written 
for us, but it was not written to us. Mm -hmm. And so that goes back to our, when you are reading a text, you're first asking, who, who was this originally written to? How did they understand it? What was the context? You know, when John the Baptist was baptizing people, he wasn't baptizing them like uh, Southern Baptist in 1960 Texas. He was right. baptizing them like uh, first century Jewish mm -hmm. people would have understood that. So uh, I'm actually reading a book right now by a rabbi who is trying to explain to Christians some of the culture and some of the uh, practices of Christ. And it's really interesting to get his perspective um, because he he's being very respectful about Christ. And he's just said, but remember, Christ was a rabbi. So let me put that in perspective. Yeah. yeah. So um, when we read scripture, we're always asking, who is straight to first? What's always true that's showing what I'm seeing about God, people, or myself? And then how do I begin to apply that in this context? And so I, I think that we read the Bible not to find out how to live, but to find out what the story of God is and how we fit into that. And if we read it that way, then we start to see how to live. If it was just a list of rules, it would not have the power that it does for as long as it has and continues to be powerful, right? The Code of Hammurabi had a lot of rules. And we really don't... Very few people, I, I think, if I went up to the street and was like, hey, do you know what the Code of Hammurabi just is, not what it contains? God is... The, inviting us to be a part of his story. And the story's going to end amazingly, and this is our hope and our faith. Yeah. And so it, it gives us context for what we're doing now as we're a part of this. One of the things that I loved that our church did a few years ago was we did this thing called the Community Bible Experience. And I, I forget the company, Miblios or somebody that put it out, but they put out a version of the Bible that didn't have any chapters mm -hmm. or reference verses to it. It was just like you're just reading Genesis and you didn't know when to stop because you just kept reading till the end of the paragraph. And so what the, the premise was, we started reading large chunks of scripture. More the tradition I was in was we would just pick apart one verse. And I just started to see such great value in reading larger and larger and larger chunks of scripture. Um, because he, like, even when you get into something like Mark and you go, you could study the story of uh Jairus, who comes to Jesus and says, Richard, please heal my daughter. And you can also study the story of the woman who had been having an issue of blood for 12 years. But if you read those together and understand there's a context, it really enriches it. So uh, beginning to read larger chunks of, of Scripture, I think, helps us frame this is a story. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying you don't ever have times that you pick apart something, but uh, I would say for normal people, just trying to read larger chunks and get a sense of the, the big picture of what's happening. We talked about wise ways to use scripture and unwise ways to use scripture. And I think one of maybe the, the questions you should ask yourself when, when quoting scripture or when going, is this where I want to, a statement I want to make, a, a hill I want to die on, Before, if, if you're pulling from a single verse, go back and read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. N.T. Wright uses this example. We need to read more chunks of, like, large, like sit down and read a whole book. Take, a, take a, a, a day and read Isaiah. He's like, in so many ways in Western Christianity, the way we approach Scripture would be like going to a symphony, hearing four notes, and then being told to come back the next week to hear the next four notes. Yeah. You can't discuss Mozart by four notes. 
you can't experience the movements of Beethoven in a minute and a half. You have to experience the whole thing, and then you get a good context for that one scripture that you're going to pull out. We talked about the communion discussions in 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Well, when you read all of 1 Corinthians, you realize that that discussion has a place in the text. The love chapter in 1 Corinthians, which, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, we love just pulling that out and reading it start to finish, and it is a beautiful rhetorical passage. But each point in the love passage ties back to something that happens previously in 1 yeah. Corinthians that is a problem that's in the church, and it's the ending of Paul's argument. It's not an argument in and of itself. And while I do think that probably reading the love chapter is a little bit more theologically sound than, than pulling a different scripture out of First Corinthians and say, this is, this is what we're going to, to, to define ourselves by. The more we enjoy scripture, the, the, the larger chunks we read at a time, the more we start to see the themes and movements and the less likely we are to pull one scripture out of context and go, well, the Bible says this. Well, it, yeah. chapters and verses were added a thousand years after the end of the New Testament was written. The way I look at reading scripture is there's devotional reading, there's like study reading, and then what I would call like scholastic or, you know, probably sermon writing where you're really like diving into commentaries looking yeah. and all this stuff. But for devotional reading, getting a reader Bible, the ESV has a good one where, listen, let me just sit down and read like I would a novel or anything else, and just see where the story takes me. This is a good part to end on, because that's the time I have, or it's a break in the paragraph. Yeah. As opposed to saying, well, I'm going to read 30 verses, and wherever I stop is sort of where I stop. While there probably are unhelpful ways to read the Bible, just reading the Bible, anyone can do it. Yes. And this is one of the things that uh, I, I am so thankful for theological study and reflection. I'm thankful for my... Uh, uh, degree that I got in theology. I'm thankful for the, the work that's gone on by much smarter people through hundreds of years that we are building upon and still unpacking. At the same time, you can hand the Gospel of John to anyone who can read, or you can read it to them, mm -hmm. and, and they, I believe, this is what I call self-authenticating nature of Scripture, they could glean from it. They yes. could hear the truth, they could come to faith in that. What I'm pushing against, that kind of Pharisee approach of, well, we're the only ones that have yep. the scripture, so we'll just tell you what it means. Uh, you don't worry, you're pretty little ahead about this. You don't have the training to be able to handle this text. And yes, good training, I think, uh, and, and learning how to study the Bible is a great thing to do. And at the same time, the Word of God is so powerful, anyone can read it and yeah. go, I, I am drawn to this Christ. And that's the beauty of the story. I think that's the beauty of the way God chose to reveal his word. The beauty of the story is that we all can read it. We all can enjoy mm -hmm. it. And I would agree. If you want to know how to read the Bible, sit down and read the read Bible. Bible. So so read chunks, I think, is a good yeah. read. Read larger chunks. You know, I, I'm realizing um, our church is going through the uh, uh, book of Mark uh, right now, over pulpit, and uh, the gospel of Mark. And we're we're doing what it was not in, I think it was not intended to do. We are chopping this gospel up into twelve weeks or whatever. Yeah. And uh, when I went to college, a pastor who was a great mentor of mine, uh, the very first Sunday I visited his church, 
He was in John chapter 2, Gospel of John chapter 2. Four years later, the last Sunday that I was in that church, he was in John chapter 20. Took four years to walk through there. And he would, I mean, you want to talk about breaking it apart. Uh, he would get into, we'd only maybe sometimes get through half of a sentence. And then he would really unpack that. And um, it was rich. And I learned so much from him. At the same time, I look at Mark, uh, a gospel like Mark now, and I realize, okay, the genre of Mark is, Mark is like a tract that you might read. Remember those tracts yeah. where you might say, here, here's the gospel and I'll leave it on a table instead of a tip because I'm an evil person. That's right. <laughs> uh, no, I, here's a tract I would hand to somebody that would just say, let me just tell you who this Jesus was and what it means for your life. That's what Mark's doing. And so uh, I don't think Mark wrote his, uh, his gospel to be chopped up, like you said, and we'll come back next week and you'll hear the next thing that Jesus did. I think Mark was written for people to go sit down, maybe 36 minutes, and I'm going to tell you a story that's going to change your world. Yeah. That's how it should have been read. Now, we actually did that on Sunday and uh, a couple of weeks ago. I did half the book and it took a long time. And some of our junior high kids, I think we lost them. I think they, I think they passed out. But uh, but that's there's something about the chunk the chunks of scripture. Yeah. There's a there's a good practice that I I came across and listeners may already be familiar with it. I came across it. Uh, I'm very grateful for my seminary Fuller. They they forced us to do these pra- spiritual practices classes, and I saved them till the end because I was like, I'm not here to learn goat yoga. Yeah, um, we'll get the word. That's right. Um, but the practices were so good, and they were probably the most impactful classes that I took. So there's this thing called Lectio Divina, mm-hmm. where and if you Google Lectio Divina, the, uh, it's, it's spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, and we may be able to put it in some show notes. Like we may, like as we listen through these, we may be able to put when we put them live, put some like links to different resources that we talked about over the season um, when we post them on the website. But basically, it's the practice of Reading a large chunk of scripture, we did it uh, with Colossians. Mm-hmm. Read all of Colossians. It's a short book. Pause. Pray. Read it again. Pause. Pray and read it a third time. And even reading a, a small chunk of scripture, you don't have to read all of Colossians. But if you were to read chapter one of Colossians three times in a row, it's going to take you less than ten minutes. But you're familiarizing yourself with it the first time. And the second time, you start to notice things. And, and possibly the third time, the Spirit's really wanting you to focus on what does it mean that Christ is the visible representation of the invisible God? What does that mean even in my life? And this practice of meditating on Scripture in, again, larger chunks, right? But the epistles, I think, are the same way as the Gospels, right? The epistles were designed to be read to a church. I don't know how anyone read through Romans in a single sitting, but Colossians is pretty simple. It takes only about 10 minutes. Romans has been the white whale for me that I've never been able to crack. I, I have preached sermons out of Romans, but I've never preached through Romans because I, I just just figured it out. Like, how do you how do you not lose everyone? Because it's a complex argument. It's like saying, well, we're going to have a, a six-week court case, and you're on the jury, but you're going to be gone for four of the weeks, but just catch up. That's right. I mean, it's it's this it's this beautiful, but again, it was written with a specific intention too, yeah. of let me make the argument for why this is the way it is, why we need Christ. Yeah. Did. So, but go ahead. You're no, right. no, no. That was that was 
Um, that was based, I, I agree. Like, so with the Lectio Divina, there's something similar to that. There's a book that, uh, by Wayne Cadero called The Divine Mentor, which okay. I would recommend as a amazing how to read the Bible book. So what, what it is, is it's helping you really listen to how God is speaking to you through the Bible. So the Bible itself becomes this mentor. It's the story that's shaping you. So we had, I practiced this for years. I've done it with my kids. I'm not practicing it now, but I've taught guys to do it. So it's taking the same concept, but it's adding this thought that you're doing this together. Mm. So reading it alone, I think, has great power because sometimes if you don't read alone, you're never still enough to hear. But reading it together has power too. So the practice he had in that book was it, there's a, an, an acrostic soap, S O A P. Um, you read a section of scripture, and what you're looking for in this is what is the thing my heart is being drawn to? Is there a phrase? Is there a mm -hmm. word? Uh, to use your thing that you talked about in our last episode, that at different places in your life, you might be reading Colossians at age 30, and you're really focusing on this. Maybe you're reading it a few months later or a few years later, and you're like, oh, God is speaking to me about this. So what is that thing he's saying? And then what is the observation that you're making? What is it? What is that going back to? What is this original truth just mean? Yeah. And then application. Jesus, what are you, why did you draw this to me today? What are you asking for me? Where are you calling me today? And then prayer would be my writing out of the prayer of God. Will you help me to live this out? Yeah. And then, so that part would take about 20 or 30 minutes. But then you would turn to the guys that were sitting around the table with you that were all being quiet writing themselves. And you would say, share, share what God said. Mm -hmm. And as I practice that with people, it, it's amazing. We might be reading like a, a psalm, a couple chapters in the Old Testament, maybe something out of the New Testament as our chunk. I can't tell you how many times um, there would be two or three of us that would have all landed on that same sentence. Why are we all, why are all three of us drawn to this verse out of all the 90 that we just read? Yeah. And then how did God speak to you in that? That's It's kind of a training yourself to learn to recognize the voice. It's a little bit different than just, I'm going to purely study. Yeah. But I'm going to read a larger chunk. I'm going to read it with people. And I'm asking God, God, speak to me through your word. That that has been very revitalizing for me, um, especially as somebody who's often, to be honest, I spend a lot of time doing work in the Bible. And so I, I kind of have a study mindset. It's very freeing for me to really shift over and say, but God, you want to talk to me. I have the same problem. As somebody who has a very scholastic bent, I'm not good at being still enough to hear the small voice going, hey, here's what I really want you to pull out of this. Mm -hmm. So I like those practices. One of the things that kind of stands out to me about most of the things we talk about as spiritual practices or disciplines, they're all, they're, a large chunk of them revolve around us being still and making sacred space in our lives for God to speak into. And I think reading the Bible is one of those places that we all could, maybe not all of us, I know I can't, I, I, need, I need that in my life. I need to be better about being purposeful about that. Where would you say, if someone was, was saying, um, hey, I'd, I'd like to really get it, I, I really want to commit to reading the Bible, and there's different ways to do that, like what? What would you suggest would be a good way for someone to start, like the reading program or a book of the Bible itself? Or I would, right now at this moment in my life, I would say, pick a book that you're interested in and just read through it. Maybe, maybe just say I'm going to read through it 
twice, start to finish. Not in one sitting, necessarily, but I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to read Luke over 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, the Psalms are never a bad place to start. There is so much of Christ in the Psalms, and there is so much of, like, human... I, I think you you can't help but read through the Psalms in one chunk and come away with a different view on how we can pray to God. Mm-hmm through our pain, with our pain, in our pain, and our messiness, because that's just all over the place in Psalms. Um, another great one is there's a it's commonprayer.net. Okay. Commonprayer.net is a is a great sort of liturgical way if you if you want to get into a, a little bit more broader view of maybe outside your tradition or uh, maybe a different way to read scripture. CommonPrayer.net has daily readings from the liturgical calendar with hymns and prayers mixed in. And so it's a little bit like what you were saying, where it's like there's always a passage from the Old Testament. There's always a passage from the Gospels. There's always a psalm. And there's always something from the New Testament. And that, what's interesting about that is just asking the question, why did they link all of these together? And that can just take you down some interesting paths that allow the script... Open-ended questions when you read scripture are a great way to just invite the Holy Spirit. Why Why did some people who value this method, who are wiser than I am, link these four passages together? Mm-hmm. And there's times where I'm like, well, I can definitely see two of the four passages. The other two are, you know, good for me to read, but I honestly don't see how we got from this passage in the Old Testament to this part of, the, you know, Mark. and Romans, and then this psalm. I, that's something I, I've actually, it's just kind of side tangent a little bit, but that's, I really loved doing Advent, and Advent mm-hmm. passages, and have been doing that for probably 15 years. So, well, or, I think maybe longer than that. I think like 16, 17 years. And so I've been through year A, B, and C. I don't know how many times that is. Three times each, five yeah. times each. Five times each. Five times each. And I realized there's a lot of this, and, and Advent is basically where the, during the Advent season or on Christmas time, you'll have um, an Old Testament reading, you'll have a psalm reading, you'll have an epistle reading, and you'll have a uh, gospel reading. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's three sets of those. There's your A, your B, and your C, and they just repeat. And, um, and the same thing was happening. I was like, who, who put these together? But what I noticed it's more it, it's I started just seeing connections mm-hmm. that were covert, maybe more than overt yeah. for me. And just just that rhythm of reading. So how does that help someone who's reading? Maybe mixing it up, maybe read some old testament, some new yeah. testament stuff. For me, the the practice of like a liturgical reading of scripture reminds me I'm not alone. There are other Christians who are using the Book of Common Prayer. Mm-hmm. In the same way I am, and there's there's this sense of community, even if I don't have someone that I'm reading. But there's also this reminder that hey, it's not just Christmas and Easter. There is a spiritual rhythm to my life in the world that I may not be aware of, but it helps helps me kind of pull myself out of. Well, here's my daily schedule. Okay, but here's these 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 scriptures have been read. You said on a cycle for longer than I've been alive. And it kind of helps me view scripture as something that's a little bit more eternal than just, okay, here's my daily devotion. Let me get this in and out and done. 
it goes back to we said the Bible is uh, a story. Mm-hmm. We read the Bible not to find out how to live. We read the Bible to find out what the story is and where our place is in that story. And then that story shapes how we live. Yeah. And so I think what, you're, what I hear you say is even the, um, I, I love people who are doing this longer. But I, I'm just a part of this long line of this story. This is not about me just 2019 and my issues in America and Colorado Springs. Da, 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 da. It's I'm a part of this global thing. And there are people in China who are reading this in a different language. And how are they wrestling with some of some yeah. of the applications of this. There are people who read this 700 years ago. How did they wrestle with some of the implications of this? Yeah. It just reminds me, this thing is a big story. Yeah. Uh, two thoughts. Uh, yep. uh, you, you mentioned like a liturgical reading or the commonprayer.net, I believe. Also, you can just Google read through the Bible in a year. And th- there are different ways to kind of do stuff like that. I always encourage people, if you're going to do some kind of Bible reading program, don't let the fact that you missed a day Derailing. No. What happens is you, you'll miss Saturday, then Sunday, then it's Monday. Now you're like, well, gosh, I got to catch up. Just pick back up uh, where you're going because this is not, there's no gold star at the end. What else is helpful? I, I will be honest. If, if you're just looking for a book to jump into, another one that I that's always helpful for me is Luke or John. Mm-hmm. John because of the imagery, but Luke because if you've grown up in the church, Coming back to Luke can be a lot like putting on your favorite T-shirt. Because the parables that we teach in Sunday school are the Lucan parables. And so it's it's wonderful to just get back into that. And if you just need something to get started, and I I would agree with you, there's no gold star, there's no measuring stick, there's no, I mean, we're not going to come find you if you've listened to this podcast and, you know, check off a bunch of lists. This is this is your time with with God, and that may look different than my time with God. There are some practices that we are naturally better at, just as individuals, and there are some practices that we are not good at. But we're called to engage with all of the practices, and so I'm really bad at the spiritual gift of discernment. And my wife is basically like the Obi-Wan of spiritual discernment. God has just gifted her with that. And we joke that she's a Jedi. She can be like, she, I mean, she can get a read on somebody and it's, it's amazing. But that doesn't mean that I'm called any less to practice spiritual discernment to the best of my ability yeah. in my daily life. And I think that goes with scripture. N.T. Wright can take a like a, a day and just sit down and like that's part of his practice. He'll read through all of Isaiah in a single go. That sounds not necessarily as enjoyable to me, but I can read through parts of Isaiah. And, and the goal is not to get to heaven and be like, well, I, I'm sorry. You needed to read through the Bible a hundred times to get in, to get the check mark. And you only read through it 97 times. Now, but all of the practices are about inviting God into our lives and just getting started mm. is something that's is a worthwhile endeavor. There's a prayer that David prays in one of the Psalms that is open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Mm. I've, I, I've, as a practice, uh, I've tried to, when, when I would open the Bible, the physical act of opening a Bible, not a touch screen, but a, an actual book that they've bound, 
Um, but the physical act of opening that Bible, I would always uh, try to practice just praying that prayer. Now, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in the wall. And the thought that is, I'm opening up this word, uh, you're opening up my heart, I'm opening up my heart mm-hmm. to you, and that you would speak to me. Because again, the written word is always about this message about the, the living word, and he yeah. is still alive and wants to speak to us. And so, how do normal people use the Bible? I think they read it, they they follow it, they listen to it, they 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 learn the story. They, wherever they are in the Bible, they're making a beeline for the cross. They're asking, where in the story are we now? And then we're always asking, how am I in this story? What is, I'm doing some theological reflection on what I'm learning about the kind of person Jesus is. How is that beginning to shape the way that I am looking at my kids? Mm-hmm. The way that I am voting? The way that I'm going to spend my time and let these things shape as part of this bigger story, what is God up to in the story? And so, um, I I love the Bible. I've had a long relationship. Uh, it has had a longer relationship with me, probably. Uh, I would say I have a I, I have a high view of Scripture, and I I have a deep appreciation of how God has spoken to people in the past, and how He still speaks to people. I have a growing recognition of not only just the divinity of this book, the humanity of the book. In fact, it's the humanity part that more and more brings me back and says, this is a true book. Yeah. Because if, if God didn't allow this humanity to shine through, um, I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, man, you put in all the bad parts. This is so, oh, man, yeah. this is so helpful. Um, we allow this book to shape our life as it speaks to us. So uh, I, I think... I think that's a good, a good note to end on. Well, thank you for listening to the first season of Welcome to the Table. We're going to be coming back with a season two much sooner than Netflix puts out season twos. Yes. We're, we're depending on the uh, sponsors to uh, fund a second season. That's right. So write your petition. Uh-huh. Um, so what do you want to give a brief preview of what we're going to do for season two here at the end? Sure. Um, we are going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the topic of parenting. And Susie Bates, who is the Generations Pastor at Pulper Rock Church, is going to help guide us through a number of different conversations about parenting. So I'm not sure exactly what some of those topics will be yet, but just uh, maybe looking at different stages of uh, parenting, you know, and how you're parenting a three-year-old versus a 13-year-old, kind of things all all related to that. And uh, I'm really hoping that we'll have a couple of interviews with some neat parents and Find out some of those stories that they've uh, lived through and what they've learned and how we can learn from each other. And, uh, of course, including some parents in the Bible as well. Looking forward to it. Well, anything you want to say to wrap up our season on the Bible or our first season of Welcome to the Table? I think one of the most important things for us to do with the Bible is to welcome it to the table Mm -hmm. and to welcome people around the table who are going to read that book in some different ways than us. And that will only uh, help us tune our hearts towards really recognizing the voice of God.